The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. And I should mention, I am at Husker Harvest Days today, pre-day. You are going to be here Tuesday and Wednesday. So folks get a chance to, to meet, greet, and discuss markets with you while they're here. Yeah, I'm really excited to come up and join you, Susan, and thank you for allowing me to participate with the Rural Radio Network. It's just going to be a great time. I'm bringing lots of freebies and uh, also going to be doing some door prizes, so hopefully it'll just be great weather and great way to take a break before the harvest kicks in and kind of relieve some stress from uh, all the stuff we've had to deal with this year. Well, speaking of stress and wonder, it's it's pre-report. We've made it through one day ahead of the report. Tomorrow's the last trading day before we see these numbers. It just seems a pre-report feel to this market trade. Yeah, it does. And, you know, we had a jump in the wheat market on Monday, and I really think that we are trying to go back to our roots, and those roots being the supply-demand fundamentals uh, ahead of the Wednesday numbers. And I say that because we have really been trading a lot of negative news in the wheat market, especially surrounding the trade sanctions and the trade frictions and the fact that the Russian ruble has pretty much had a, in my opinion, Susan, a stranglehold on the wheat prices, both in Europe and in the United States. And that ruble made a fresh 30-month low on Monday morning. Um, we're only trading about 50 cents away from where we were trading back in March of 2016, the last time the ruble was this week. So we, we really can see a pretty strong correlation between where we have traded in the last 30 days in the wheat market and the trade sanctions and the frictions and the, as they show up in the currencies. Now, what I think happened Monday is the trade saw Australia drop their wheat production number they saw the European wheat future go off the board at about 5.5% higher uh, on the session and uh, really had a strong run-up on expiration. And I think they're coming back to readjusting to the simple fact, and this is something that's really hard to get your mind around. The simple fact is in August, USDA said, hey, we've got 259 million tons of wheat out there in the world for 2018-19, but if you take out China's supply and ending stocks, we only have about 123 million tons of available wheat out there in ending stocks, and that's 15% lower than the last two marketing years. So I think we're probably coming back around to those types of supply-demand fundamentals, and we need to come back around to that because I think we need the low first in the wheat market. You know, you look at those numbers, and I think there was a lot of uncertainty out there because even with corn and beans, they say we've got these huge amounts, and then you get conflicting reports as to what we're looking at globally to see, especially in this wheat market with everything that's been happening with Russia and their crop as well. Yeah, you hit it on the nose. I mean, we feel like that we do have the edge and the advantage in U.S. supplies this year, and especially the wheat and especially the corn, but we just can't seem to get any foothold because the investment community keeps saying the dollar firm and it, it, it checks its support levels, holds those support levels and runs up and tries to make new highs. And it's been in a pretty wide trading range, but for the most part, it has continued to stay stronger, especially against our key competitors, the Russians, 
the Argentinians and the Brazilians and unfortunately the Chinese as well and China is not a competitor to us but their buying power has been going down as their currency has weakened and that has really put a negative color in the supply demand fundamentals especially the global supply demand fundamentals and and I would say this too Susan you know you take a step back heading into Wednesday's report and this is why I'm more of a mindset of, of wanting to store more corn versus more beans as we get into harvest. It, it's simply because we're dealing with a situation where the average cash price that the USDA put out in their last report, the low end was $3.10. The BTN National Corn Index price is trading around three twenty before Monday's trade. And so we're literally only 10 cents away from the low end of USDA's number. And that 320 cash price, uh, national index price, is squared up against a 1.6 billion bushel carryover. So here again, that just doesn't jive. And I think if we could find a low in the wheat market, corn, I think, would actually be able to go higher along with the wheat, even if the soybeans continue to keep pressure on us. I think, A, we've priced a lot of negativity into the soybeans already. Doesn't mean we can't price more in if USDA builds the supplies up on Wednesday, but I think it does suggest that if we could find a low, the corn could find a low, and actually go up counter seasonally as we go into harvest. And I think that's a, I know that's a tough thing to bite into and a tough thing to really get your arms around, given the fact that we're looking at a 175, 178 uh, uh, yield number for this year. But I think we do have such tight world supplies that those U.S. supplies really are kind of diminished in light of that. Curious, how much nervousness will we see tomorrow into Wednesday's trade leading into this because of so many what-ifs that we've just talked about? A whole lot. I mean, I think it could be, I think especially before the report and after the report, we could be talking about historic volatility because we still haven't gotten any word on NAFTA. We haven't gotten any word on President Trump moving on the $267 billion of additional uh, tariffs against China. We haven't gotten any word on a EU-US trade agreement, and we still do not know uh, exactly what's happening with the African swine flu. We have a brand new case in the Anhui province of China, a critical er- area of production for livestock in that country, uh, but we didn't get much news out of that uh, during the Monday trade. So we have you know, a lot of potential what they call black swans out there that can fly in at any time and scare the rest of the swans away and really make the market volatile. Lots of stuff to think about, folks. It is, of course, setup day here at Husker Harvest Day. So if you're hearing a lot of background noise, that's what's going on right now. They're actually filling the ice so we can have good cold water come tomorrow. Stick around. We do have more. Mike Zuzalo is joining us here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to dive into some export numbers and, of course, talk more about the swine flu as well. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. From the Husker Harvest Days grounds, I'm Susan Littlefield. As Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. And I should let folks know, today you're via phone, but Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll be here with us talking live as we look at the market. So we've got some excitement building in. Obviously, we've talked about the first half of this pre-report trade. Looking, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts because I was reading up on the export numbers for the corn and one called it disappointing as I looked at this last week's inspection numbers. Is this a trend we're going to continue to see? Um, typical this time of year, but are we going to continue to see a downward move and maybe some additional tariff pressure? 
You know, I hope not. I mean, this is where it really comes down to crunch time. We've got such a low price domestically, Susan, and if we're right based upon what we talked about in the previous segment, if I'm right about a lot less competition out there in the Black Sea and around South America and in Asia, um, we should be getting a lot more business in the corn. I'll give you some quick numbers. Right now, the wheat is probably the most significant in terms of not meeting expectations. The marketing year to date right now on inspections after today's weekly export inspections, we're running down about 30%. USDA for the whole year has us up about 14%. So that's about a 50% swing. We really need to start humming on those wheat exports. Corn, we're not doing so bad. We're down 3% year to date with the brand new marketing year starting here just in the last week. USDA has us down on the marketing year about 2%. I actually think we could actually go above the 17-18 exports uh, for the marketing year of 18-19 if we could start seeing uh, these trade frictions really start to give way, especially now that we've got the Mexican side of NAFTA done. Uh, For soybeans, we're running down about 25% uh, as of the beginning of this new marketing year. USDA has us down about 2%, so we need to stay on top of that as well. I think this is a big difference between where the grains are and where the meats are, Susan. If you look at January through July, uh, actual calendar time period exports for beef, we're running up 15% versus Jan through July of 2017. In pork, we're up 6.5%, and in poultry, we're up 2.3%. This stronger dollar and these trade frictions simply are not hurting the pork the beef or the poultry export demand at this point. That's why we've been able to find higher lows and be able to find a lot quicker short covering in the meat markets, especially with this news on the African swine fever. So this is what we would like to see transfer over into the grain markets is what we're seeing in the meats right now. Before we jump into the meats, I wanted to ask, I know that the currency for Brazil and Argentina has been cheap. I guess that's the best word to use. Is that going to have any factored effect on us here in the States? Yeah, big time, because you know what? We have a lot of supply of soy in Argentina, especially, and in Brazil to a lesser degree, but obviously Brazil's getting theirs pulled out by China, and, and the attraction of this renewed demand, because they're not used, China's not buying U.S. supplies, it's really keeping up, to, uh, keeping up with the supplies in Brazil. But in Argentina, it's a whole different case. The weakness in this currency, the, the, the fresh all-time lows in the Argentine peso that we've experienced over the last two months has actually created an inflationary environment, not unlike what they're seeing in Venezuela right now. And so the Argentine farmer is saying, I'm not selling my beans. They're priced in U.S. dollars. I'm going to use that as my hard currency. Beans are essentially gold right now in terms of how the farmers look at it in Argentina. And so they're holding on to their soybeans. They have supplies there. It's just their captive supplies right now because of this currency. So if we would see the dollar give way and weaken to the Argentine peso, you could see in a couple, three months, a pretty substantial push of Argentine supplies out the door. And then all of a sudden we see a renewed pressure in the meal market because Argentina is our number one meal exporter in the world. So this is where you got to be really careful about not respecting and selling into rallies in the soybeans, especially after this crop report, if we could get another leg up of 20, 25 cents and get those November beans on the board up around 875, 885, and you can start talking about $550 of revenue per acre, 
uh, on 60, 70 bushel yields, I, I would really recommend going after that because we do have supplies in Argentina that can compete with us, and we don't know where the African swine fever is going to take us in terms of soy demand. Well, let's jump into that. We've got a little less than a minute left. This African swine fever, another case was found, and they held some emergency meetings over the weekend to try to figure out how to contain it and keep it in China without it spreading around the world. Yeah, and the word was not very good from what I read in terms of their expectations. A, they thought it would probably get into other South America, Southeast Asian nations, they being the United Nations uh, FAO. The other thing that disturbed me the most was the prospects that this is being transmitted through processing of raw meat, not other live animals. That would get you into a whole other ballgame as far as trying to get you know your yourselves underneath it and and understand you know how quickly or how long it may go so this opens the door the upside and the cattle and the hogs for me these cattle 115 to 118 i think is a trajectory that we can get to we touched 115 today i think you're right on the edge of wanting to hedge some fat cattle as we go up here in the next couple three dollars best way mike for folks to get a hold of you to talk markets after they close Come to the Husker Harvest Days the next two days and let's shake hands and get to know each other and say hello. All right, sounds good. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.